Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. Details make the difference to builders and their customers, really to the whole new home construction industry. Trends emerge when one studies HERS rating details over a large national data set and over time. Now, what kind of theories can we draw from data in the Trends in HERS Rated Homes 2022 report? Well, ResNet's Program Director Ryan Mears joins us here today to crunch the numbers in the HERS rating trends from the data set in 2021. Now, the data comes from the rating provider's data files. We learn about the trends in index scores, HERS index scores, of course, and the basic characteristics of rated homes. For example, the number of bedrooms, condition floor area, annual energy cost, and the energy savings. The report also reveals summary data on foundation types, insulation, window U value, and solar heat gain coefficient, as well as envelope air leakage rates, ventilation types, heating, cooling, and water heating equipment, and also the use of solar photovoltaic on HERS-rated homes. We get an overview of climate zone and regional data, including states and cities that lead the pack in the number of HERS-rated homes. Ryan also shares some data highlights, as well as the percentage of new homes in the state that receive ratings, noting some of the possible reasons for the way the data plays out. Now, members of the ResNet Suppliers Advisory Board get a first look at the report and can benefit from custom reports. Now, learn more about joining the Supplier Advisory Board in a link shown in the show notes. Also, look for an announcement in the ResNet newsletter regarding the final report, which is called The Trends in HERS Rated Homes 2022, which will be published in mid-June 2022. Let's listen as Ryan shares with us some of the details that the data speaks. Good afternoon, Ryan. Hey, Bill. Good afternoon. Always good to have you back. You're my favorite guy because you've got so much data. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of data, yes. Lots and lots of data. So today we're talking about trends in HERS rated homes. And this is a run-up to the report or document report that's going to be published in June of 2022. We're recording here in May. So it's coming right up and you're doing some heavy lifting of data and some writing here. So what's the title of the report and what's the purpose of it? So it's the annual HERS Data Trends Report. And the purpose of it is to look at the high level, how many homes are getting HERS ratings? What does it look like broken down at the state level? What are some of the municipalities that are seeing the most HERS ratings happen? And then we've also, starting last year, we started breaking it down by single family versus multifamily because that was requested to for us to break down those differences. And there are a few. So the purpose of it is to really just be able to convey some of the data on HERS ratings that we have in the registry and at a high level. And then we also dig all the way down to the component level to look at insulation and mechanical equipment efficiencies and ventilation rates and the use of solar on homes and things like that. So it's really the whole data set that goes into the HERS rating. Is that correct? 
Yeah, maybe I should back up a little bit. So where we get this data from is our rating providers. So the HERS raters are responsible for doing HERS ratings for their builder clients and or homeowner clients, and they conduct the rating. And then that rating file gets submitted to ResNet when the rating is completed. And that's what populates our national buildings registry with all of the data that's in those rating files. So we have several hundred data points a lot of them are not all that interesting, and some of them don't apply to every house. But that's where we pull all of this data from so that we can provide it in the report. And the genesis or the origin of the report was something that came from suppliers? Yeah, so ResNet has a suppliers advisory board. It's been around for, I think, about six or seven years now. And so the suppliers advisory board, one of the benefits of being an SAB member is getting access to HERS data. And so what we did was to basically put this report together for them. And it was something that they had requested after we supplied them with a lot of raw data based on certain states that they were requesting. They eventually came up with this idea of why don't we produce just an annual report that looks at bigger trends across HERS ratings. So that's really where this originated. And this will be the third year we've published it. And you're always looking at a one-year time frame. So you, this report will be referencing 2021 data? That's correct. Yeah. So this report will be for all HERS ratings that were submitted to the registry in 2021. So when you talk about like high-level data, like what was the average HERS index in 2021? Yeah. So last year, the average was a 58, and there were just over 313,000 homes that were submitted to the registry. And that's about a 4% increase over 2020 numbers. And 2020 was actually a, a huge increase, a 24% increase over 2019. But in total, there's been year-over-year increases in the number of ratings for nine consecutive years now. Got it. And the ratings by state work out sort of all over the map, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the most percent of new homes that are rated by state, different states that are out there? Yeah, so we look at it in two different ways at the state level. One of them is a percentage number, and we take the number of ratings in each state, and we typically stick with just single family and duplex ratings. And then we compare that number of ratings to the number of permits that were pulled. And now, it's not a perfect comparison because HERS ratings are typically done at closing or right before closing, and permits obviously are for homes that are, haven't been started yet. So it's not a perfect comparison, but we do use it because it's data that's available to us to make. And so for the second year in a row, Massachusetts has come in at the top at 80%, it looks like. We haven't finalized that yet because we're waiting for the final numbers from the Census Bureau on permits. But it looks like Massachusetts is going to come in at about 80% of all new homes in that state were hers rated last year. But when you look at actual number of ratings, then it's really Texas that takes the top spot by far with over 70,000 ratings. Yeah, for quantity of ratings over 70,000 in Texas last year. I think you have to combine the next three states to even come close to, you still don't even eclipse 70,000 ratings. Wow. Anything in particular that's driving these higher numbers or higher percentages? What we've seen in HERS ratings really for a decade now is they really follow new construction because more than 90% of homes in the registry are going to be new construction homes. 
And so HERS ratings really follow the new construction markets. And Texas is obviously a hot market for new construction. And similarly, you'll find Arizona among the top, as well as Florida and Nevada, so Colorado as well. So when you think of where are most new homes being built, that's also where your highest number of HERS ratings are going to be. Got it. And by the way, this report you said will be publicly available? Yeah, it'll be publicly available sometime. We're anticipating around mid-June. And you make it available, is it through the ResNet website or is it through an email? How do people... Yeah, it'll be both. It'll be emailed out. We'll email a notice out, but then it'll be published on the ResNet website. How about for multifamily ratings? What's the concentration there? Looking at kind of overall ratings, single family is about 75, 76%. And then multifamily is going to be the other 24, 25% each year. And that's been pretty standard in terms of our breakdown, roughly 75, 25 split between single family and multifamily. Got it. You shared with me some of the preliminary data. So I'm just skimming it here as we're, we're talking. And looks like San Antonio, Texas got the highest number for both single and multifamily? Yep, for single and multifamily. Last year, Charlotte, North Carolina came in the top spot for multifamily, but this year, San Antonio has both the highest number for multifamily and single family. And actually, when you look at overall ratings, the top nine municipalities for ratings are all in Texas, which goes to show there, with 70,000 HERS ratings, obviously, (laughs) there's a lot of activity there. And you talked about top-level data, and the HERS index score average was 58. How about the home construction, like number of bedrooms, condition space, energy costs? What are those coming in at? On the multifamily side, most commonly is going to be a two-bedroom unit. But on the single-family side, it's actually closer to a four-bedroom unit. Interesting. So, yeah, that roughly mirrors what we saw in the 2019 and the 2020 reports. Got it. In the condition floor space, it looks like to be about double. Yeah. So single family is roughly double the size of multifamily. Single family comes in a little under 1,400 square feet on average and single family over 2,700. And then the breakdown by climate zone, I guess, is also driven by new construction, which is generally the lower numbers in the climate zones. Yeah. Yeah. So the warmer climates tend to have more new construction and that's what we see really dominated by climate zones two, three, four, and five, which is roughly the middle. Although climate zone five starts getting into the upper third of the country, but climate zone two is going to be further south and three and four a little bit south, but also coming right across the midsection of the country. So you always do like a little focus when you've done these reports before. And and last year, what was the focus, the little special component that you added there? Yeah, we added in a section on net zero or basically getting to net zero. What does the data look like when HERS ratings either are achieving zero or they're getting very close with what we would consider net zero ready? We did that as a feature last year and there was a lot of interest in it. We also included some of that in the ResNet conference last year. And we found some interesting things in there, like heat pump water heaters start becoming much more prevalent as HERS ratings get lower and lower. And similarly with ventilation, balanced ventilation becomes much more common as you start getting closer to net zero. And also the use of all electric homes overall starts to increase as you get closer to net zero. 
Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have any specific statistics from last year? I mean, last year's report, since you're still in the process of massaging this year's data, like on the usage of heat pump water heaters, like the percentage, is any of that available? We do have that in last year's report, and I'm still looking at the data on heat pump water heaters. It's definitely been increasing, but conventional water heaters are still far and away conventional storage. So whether it be a gas storage or just an electric resistance water heater, those are by far the most common. Although instant water heaters also are roughly about half the usage of your conventional storage. And each year we're seeing heat pump water heaters start to bump up a little bit more in their usage. And they're really, we're also going to look at this year, not only the prevalence of heat pump water heaters, but homes that are installing heat pump water heaters compared to other water heating systems. What is the impact on the HERS score look like for those homes? Interesting. So you'd mentioned before we started the call, you have some new data analysis tools in your hands. What's that going to do for you? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting and fun. It was a long project. It was almost two years of ResNet basically instituting a new data analysis tool called Kibana. And this is the first report that has been able to benefit from the use of that new tool. And it allows for some different functionality, in many ways, a lot easier and more complex analysis on our data compared to in the years past where we've just essentially done it all through a spreadsheet, which can get a little bit cumbersome when you've got 300,000 <laughs> ratings. It makes it a little bit more difficult, slows down the analysis a little bit. So this new tool, Kibana, has been really interesting. And actually, just yesterday, I was able to do a few quick things that I pulled out. One of them looks at if we have all ratings that have continuous insulation, regardless of the amount, they have some amount of continuous insulation on the exterior compared to homes that only have cavity insulation and no exterior. I found that roughly those homes with continuous insulation on average score about three points better than homes with cavity only insulation. I was able to do a similar thing for gas versus electric in terms of space heating and hot water. And I found that for homes that have electric heating and electric hot water, the average score for all those homes was about a 60. But for homes that have gas heating and gas hot water, the average score for those was about a 57. So again, it's about a three-point difference. Now, there's a lot of different components that go into a HERS rating, so it's hard to say that was the impact. But when we look at all of the homes that have electric heat and electric hot water versus all those homes that have electric or gas hot water. The electric homes tend to have an average score about three points higher than the gas homes. Do you ever get feedback on the data that causes you to perhaps add a new segment or a new analysis from it? Yeah. When we did the first report, we focused exclusively on single family because again, that, that makes up 75% of the homes in the registry. But when I was presenting on the findings that came in the first report, it was actually at the last in-person ResNet conference, which was back in February of 2020. And the feedback I got after I gave that presentation was, hey, it'd be great if you included multifamily in here as well. So the next year, we decided to start including multifamily. And so this year, I expect we're going to keep multifamily in there as well, because there's enough interest in it that we should split single family. And then there's certainly the two different construction types warrant separate analysis as well. Sure. All the shared walls and attributes, things like that. 
Yeah, and when you start looking at electric versus gas on the multifamily side, you actually see electric being much more prevalent on multifamily compared to single family. Was there any aspect of the recently concluded conference, the virtual conference, that you covered any details like this? No, I did not have a session at the virtual conference on this, but we are going to be doing a webinar on this report. That'll be a little bit later this year. First, as the supplier advisory board members, as those responsible for getting this project started, we present it to them first as a member benefit. And then later this year, we'll probably do a full webinar on the findings. And that's also a time when we can get feedback. And often something will come up and they'll say, well, what if you looked at it this way? Or what if you looked at the data that way? There's always a new way to look at it or slice it. So we get good feedback from those types of sessions as well. And the best way is to sign up for the newsletter because that's where the webinars always get advertised yeah. and you can yep. register to. Okay. Definitely sign up for the ResNet emails. Listeners should do that. If, yeah. Yep. If you want to hear more. Yep. How about the trends in insulation or windows? That kind of thing. You talked about the exterior continuous insulation. What are you seeing happening there? You say year over year. On the insulation side, what I found interesting with this particular year is that we had seen a trend in continuous insulation increasing. And it looks like, from the initial analysis I've done, it looks like it actually is going to drop in 2021. And I'm not sure if that's because of supply issues, that some builders stopped using it, or what the reason for that is. But it looks like it takes almost a 5% drop in 2021 compared to 2020. So I'm not sure, again, why that is, but it looks like the use of continuous insulation falls a bit last year. And from a data aspect, having 313,000? 313,000, yeah. Yeah. So 5% significant. You do the math and that's a large number, right? So I just want to make sure listeners appreciate the fact that we're talking small percentages, but we're talking a lot of homes and a lot of Small percentage, but yeah, it is a lot of homes that for one reason or another are no longer using continuous insulation. Again, there was a lot of supply chain issues in 2021, so there's no telling what that could have been one or two of the large production builders that just decided they couldn't get the material and they had to stop using it. Do you ever do slices by climate zone? Yeah, we do look at some by climate zone. In particular, we've actually done not specifically related to this report, but for various different types of energy code proposals and things like that. That's actually another use of the data that we don't talk about a whole lot, but we do supply HERS data to assist with energy code development if requested, and sometimes proactively, depending on what ResNet's involvement is with different code proposals or code adoption at the state level. But it is useful to look, it's a useful data set, especially in states that have a pretty decent number of HERS ratings, to see what construction practices are, especially on the air leakage side. There tends to be a lot of interest in our data on trying to set those targets, those air leakage limits at the state level. Do you have any data, even if it's last year's data, just to talk about uh, air leakage? So last year, we did look at air changes per hour ACH. So envelope leakage rates for last year, about 80% of all single-family homes had an air leakage rate between 2 and 5 air changes per hour, and 60% of multifamily projects fell within that same threshold. But I think even more importantly than that is that there were 30,000 single-family homes that had an air leakage rate of two or less. So it's getting impressively low. And obviously, if you want to achieve a really low HERS score, 
air leakages has a big impact on that. Yeah. Do you think, do you go even further to see like two or less and then one or less? Yeah, I think we will start breaking that down as homes start achieving lower scores. Because obviously, once you start talking net zero, which is certainly where the energy code is trying to go, when you start talking about that, yeah, you've got to start looking even lower. And then you have like passive house at like a 0.6 or something like that. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah, you're getting really tight at that point. So is data also collected on water utilization or conservation water use? At the end of 2020, ResNet, in coordination with EPA, WaterSense, kicked off a formal pilot of the HERS H2O rating. So HERS H2O, for those that may not be familiar, is a program to rate the water efficiency of a home. It's based on a similar index scale as the HERS index, basically a 0 to 100. A higher score means the home uses more water. So we have our first full year of rating data from 2021 on that. And we had just over a thousand ratings that were submitted in 2021. And that there's also 21 HERS H2O providers that have been accredited. Those homes that were submitted in 2021 had an average HERS H2O score of 61. Almost every single one of those homes was in the Las Vegas market because that's where the pilot was focused. That's where the pilot project started. So just about every one of those is in the Las Vegas market. But we're now getting more and more interest out of California and even New Mexico. We've got a rating from New Mexico for HERS H2O and WaterSense. There's a lot more data that we capture there on the water side. We look at flow rates for faucets and shower heads and flush rates for toilets. We look at irrigation rates as well. It is optional, but if a builder's installing a very efficient irrigation system, they can get a good credit for testing the flow rate of that irrigation system. And so we do capture that data as well. And things like whether or not there's a water softener, as well as dishwashers and clothes washers data on those in terms of their water efficiency. We capture that as well as part of HERS H2O. And I assume you look at trends over time to beyond just within the year you're looking at. Does the report also look at like trends for the last few years as compared to the present year? For just a couple of things, one of the requests we've actually had for the last two years that has been even more difficult to do when we're dealing with Excel files of data, because you start looking at, you've got one year of data, it's 300,000 homes. And then the year before that is almost 300,000. And then the one before that is 250,000. You're suddenly have an Excel file that's so large, it's difficult to even manage. So it's been difficult to do those comparisons. We've done limited comparisons kind of year over year, but with Kibana now, we can very quickly look at the past five years worth of data. So I'm starting to do some comparisons. Actually, I just earlier today ran one on solar, looking at the prevalence of solar on homes back to 2018. I saw that for 2018, 2019, and 2020, there was an increase of about a thousand ratings per year that included solar. And then from 2020 to 2021, there was about a 2000 rating jump for homes that include solar. And the average HERS index of homes last year that had solar on them was a 27. So that's one way we can start to look back. What are the trends over the last five years for any given component? And we will be including more of those trends in this report and future reports. Very good. 
It's a great overview. Appreciate all the information. I hope the listeners will take a look at this because I think it helps to format your mind <laughs> as to what's going on in the world and your work. And, and also the additional suppliers able to join the Supplier Advisory Board? Yeah, the Suppliers Advisory Board is open. Year-round members can join. Information is on the ResNet website, resnet.us. Under the About tab, you'll see one that says Supplier Advisory Board. And the fee to join the, the SAB is $10,000 a year, but that does include the biggest benefit and the biggest draw of uh, membership is ResNet Conference sponsorship and either a virtual or a real booth at the ResNet Conference. Yeah, so there's a additional value there. And you also probably, if you present to them, like you said, you give them the first kind of crack at the data, there's the opportunity to dialogue and to shape the output. So there's another value in there. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the other benefits of being an SAB member is to get custom reports. So if depending on what industry you may be involved with, insulation or HVAC or testing, whatever it may be, if you want data that's specific to your area of interest, we can do a custom report from the registry for them. Very good. Well, thanks again. And we look forward to seeing the report come out and there'll be a webinar on it, as everyone heard, and you'll find out about through the ResNet newsletter. So please make sure to subscribe to that newsletter. Thank you again for coming on here today, Ryan. Thanks, Bill. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. A quote for today by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It is a capital mistake to theorize before one has the data. We hope you learned something here from the data that Ryan shared with us. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet what you heard here today, we'd not hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you've not subscribed, please consider doing so. As always, thank you for listening to ResTalk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.